Bom bom bits, a bowl full of chips. Bom bom bits, with Chappy and Pip. Bom bom bits, two young brothers. Bom bom bits, talking college football. Bom bom bits, and life and humor. And some funny ass clips. So relax and unwind with a bowl full of chips. Who's on the SEC A-list for 2019? Well, to start, it's Alabama as usual, especially with Tua and Saban craving to get last year's national championship loss taste out his mouth. But there's another A-team out of that state that might have something to say about him, as Auburn's Gus Malzahn once again is the offensive reins out on the plane, and that D-line is downright despicable. LSU and Texas A&M hope to show they don't need seven overtimes again to prove their merit, while Mississippi State could be ringing the cowbells a little bit louder this year as they enter year two of the Joe Moorhead regime and has one of his former players at quarterback to help steer the ship. Ole Miss brings in a good crop of athletes who will be coached by an even better duo of assistant coach coordinators as they look to get back to a bowl in their first year of eligibility after the sanction. Down in the land of the Hogs, Chad Morris is looking more like Zach Morris with his cool style of offense and a smattering of talent starting to filter into Fayetteville. Over in the east, the beast is still Georgia, although the Gators are chomping at the bit, two bits actually, to knock off their rival in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Will it be Fromm or Franks whose drink tastes sweetest in this pseudo-play-in game for a ticket to Atlanta? Over in Knoxville, the Vols are knocking on the door in year two of Jeremy Pruitt's process. And for South Carolina, is this the year that Will Muschamp finally breaks through and makes a game with his Gamecocks in the East, or will the Garnet Blacks simply fall flat? Kentucky's trying to repeat their 2018 sweet dream, though losses on defense and the talents and charisma of Benny Snell could make 2019 one that fell. Missouri gets an easy slate to try and secure head coach Barry Odom's fate. They also receive the addition of a Bryant, though maybe without postseason for not being compliant. And Vanderbilt may be the best-kept secret in the league. But the secret's out on the depths of talent among these 14 teams in the Southeastern Conference. It's damn good. So roll damn tide, war damn eagle, and get ready for a hotty-totty SEC preview, bowl full of chip style, next. Hey, fellas, it's getting to be nighttime. You've had a long, hard day at work. You've seen some things online recently, and you probably have just one thing on your mind right now. You all know what I'm talking about. A little S-E-C, baby. Ha-ha, gotcha. Well, for pure <laughs> college football fans, especially in the South, this three-letter word is maybe just about as good as the other three-letter S-E, crooked perpendicular letter at the end word. Well, you don't need a hotline to get the hot stuff, just you and a bowl full of chips. I am the old Mr. Chappie, and you all know my brother, the Mississippi State Bulldog of Research and Analytics, Bip. Bip, what you pining for tonight, my man? 
Chappie, it seems like not very long ago that we were doing our 2018 season in review for all the conferences, and now we're all the way to our 2019 previews. So I'm getting excited to get into these previews and to talk some SEC, man. I know. And I remember doing those reviews and I was like, I really just want to get to the previews. But of course, we were still in the (laughs) the preparation stage and we had to do it in this format. And it seems to have worked, Bip. Our our numbers have doubled literally in the last month and a half. I I know that from June 1st up until now, we are literally at, I think I did the math correctly, at about 80% increase from, from our subscribers. So that's awesome. So thanks to all of you out there. Thanks to those of you who are following us on Twitter, those of you who are sharing us and uh, letting the word be spread. So damn right, Bip, let's have some good old Southern (laughs) fun and get right to the sec from the eyes of you and me. Now, Bip and I, we love what we do and that's selflessly delivering you some of the best college football content and character info and insight there is. And we do it before, during, and after the season. So here at BFC, We give you our opinions backed with reasoned judgment, whether it's tried and true like an Alabama quarterback, or even if it gets us in trouble like, well, SEC players and coaches. In either case, (laughs) use the Twitter sphere to share your agreements and aggravations. I am at champion underscore lit. And I am at BFC BIP. So give us a follow, and if you already do, share our handle with others so they can get the good stuff as well. Visit our show's Twitter page on at Bowlful of Chips, where you can visit our website for a growing number of resources and bits of information, including lists, rankings, and our upcoming previews. That's right. Everything we'll preview and more will be posted to our website, which is still in the process of sticking to a solid domain. But in the process, you can access it on our handle at Bowlful of Chips. You can also find links to our previous podcasts and contact us at bowlfulofchips at gmail.com. So we're going to get right into it. Bip and I are going to break down the SEC East and the SEC West, considered to be, by almost everybody with half a brain, the most competitive and and probably the strongest football conference in the NCAA this season and really pretty much the last 25 years. So we'll start with the SEC East. So what Bip and I will do is we're going to give you our top order, one through seven. We'll give you our projected uh outcome for them in terms of record, both out of conference or overall, and then in conference as well. And in between, we'll give our points for reason and and point counterpoint a little bit. So this is going to be fun. We're glad you're with us here. So Bip, we'll start with me. And in the SEC East, no surprise to anybody, or it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I'm going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs finishing 11-2, 7-2 in the SEC. And that two, one of those losses on both ends is going to be to the SEC West champ in the SEC championship. So really in the regular season, I have Georgia going 11-1, 7-1 in the SEC play with uh, a loss to the Tennessee Volunteers out in Knoxville, but earning enough wins and earning enough credit to get to Atlanta to play the West representative in the SEC championship. So as we look at the University of Georgia, first of all, Jake Fromm is undoubtedly a guy that I would take on my team in a heartbeat. If Tua wasn't available, that is. Uh, <laughs> Georgia is trying to become the new Alabama, and they're coming so close. The last two years they've had them, but they've let it slip away just at the last minute, and, and and we almost mean literally in the last minute. So many think that their time is coming. Is this going to be the year? We'll see. I don't think that it's the year that they get over the Bama hump just yet. Offensively, I think that they've been overlooked nationally. They were in the top 24 in all major offensive categories a year ago, especially in yards per play and pass efficiency. And again, that goes back to Fromm's ability. 
Their offensive line, you and I have talked about, is the best in the country. They were 16th in rush offense last year, 16th in sacks allowed, and their running backs go four deep legitimately. A little worried about the wide receivers that they've lost as, as their top five, that's right, their top five pass catchers from last year are gone. And it was really four, but then Jeremiah Holloman was suspended and thrown off the team for um, an off-the-field incident, and so that puts them at number five. Defensively, they should be good, quick and athletic, very deep. They've got 72% of their returning production coming back on the defensive side of the ball. They're four, they were 14th in scoring defense a year ago, 25th in defensive yards per play. They weren't so great, however, Bip, at getting to the quarterback as they were 101st in sacks, and they weren't very stellar at defending the red zone either as they were 107th in the nation. Special teams, they're, they're pretty good. They've got an All-American place kicker, uh, a respectable but mediocre punt game, and two new return men, and they've been the number two team in recruiting the last four years by a composite ranking of the 24-7 sports composite rankings over the last four years, Bip. So to me, they're a clear number one in the SEC East. Who do you go with? I'm going to join you there, Chappie. Uh, I also have Georgia finishing first, going 11-1 and one, um, and losing, or I'm sorry, um, would be 11-2 and two by the end of the season, losing to um, in the SEC championship game with their one loss uh, being at Auburn and... Okay mainly because I, I think that uh, that Auburn defensive line can match up well with that Georgia offensive line and it being in Auburn um, a week after um, Georgia has to play Florida and then Missouri. I think that it could be a, um, a contest of attrition for the Bulldogs, but similarly to you, Jake from uh, one of the best in the country, that offensive line, I agree is the best offensive line in the country. That group of running backs is incredibly talented and incredibly deep. So they have a lot of talent experience and depth at that spot. My biggest question is similar to you, the wide receivers, who steps up for them is they have a lot of talent. They've recruited incredibly well, but they don't have a whole lot of experience stepping into there. So someone needs to hook up with Jake Fromm, get that uh, rapport built, and uh, step up at receiver. I also wonder who's going to step up as a pass rusher for them as only one player registered more than two sacks last year. And Deandre Walker is gone this year from the Bulldogs defense. Mm -hmm. So that defense should be fast. It should be mean. It should be nasty. And that defense normally rotates and, and subs in a lot of players. Uh, so they have a lot of experience, even though they may not have a ton of production stat wise, right? They get a lot of guys that come in. So, you know, that they're going to be fresh throughout four quarters and uh, that, that should give them an upper hand in, in most of their SEC games. But I'm with you. I think they lose one game this year uh, against Auburn, but that puts them in the driver's seat to uh, meet in the SEC championship game. Yeah, and I, I don't begrudge you for your pick of losing to Auburn. Um, however, I know that they uh, the, the dogs have beaten the Tigers the last five years. So mm -hmm. they've got their number. And at first I, I, I penciled in Auburn getting that victory over Georgia, but Auburn's coming off a bye. And sometimes when you have that extra week to prepare, that gives you an extra week to think. And this is a big rivalry. It's, this is the 123rd meeting in what they call the deep South's oldest rivalry. So I think that that momentum that Georgia has from playing against, um, you know, like you mentioned, George, or I'm sorry, Florida and then Missouri, I think they're going to be riding that momentum. I don't know that it's going to be attrition necessarily. I think it's going to be positive momentum. I think it's going to be a close 
no pun intended, dogfight. But I do like the the Georgia Bulldogs coming out of that one victorious, uh, even though I do like Auburn and I love their defensive line that you alluded to. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, we're one for one, uh, number one in the East. But again, that's kind of a low hanging fruit. Um, let's <laughs> let's hear from you. Who's number two in the East? Number two. And, and this one, I, I really went back and forth with it wasn't uh, necessarily close to me who finished two, but exactly how high and how close they would come to number one. I'm one of the Florida Gators and I have them at 11 and one, seven and one in the conference. Wow. Okay. And I have the Gators having their sole loss being to the number one team in the East, the Georgia Bulldogs yep. in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. So what I like about the Gators going into this season is in my opinion, they have the second best group of receivers in the sec to Alabama. Felipe Franks improved a ton last year and should continue to improve under year two of of, uh, Dan Mullen. And that defensive line could be special this year, especially their pass rushers. Jabari Zuniga and Jonathan Greenard could register each double digit sacks this year. And uh, you know that that Todd Grantham defense is always uh, very aggressive and very tough to play against. They're going to be hurting a little bit uh, at linebacker as they lose Ja'Kai Polite, Voshan Joseph, and CeCe Jefferson. And that offensive line is going to be the biggest question mark by far on the offensive side. But I think if they can um, utilize, um, if that offensive line can kind of come together this year, I think I see the the Gators uh, continuing to build off of that momentum that was started last year in year one of Dan Mullen. And I see them as really kind of arriving to be at the top with uh, the Georgias, the LSUs, and the Alabamas of the SEC, Chappie. It's funny you mention LSU because I have Florida at number two (laughs) in the East as well. But I have them finishing 10-2, and 6-2 in the SEC. And one of those losses coming on the road to an LSU team that, in my opinion, gave the Gators the victory in the swamp last year. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as as we look at Florida, Dan Mullen is a sneaky good coach. What he did at Mississippi State was downright damn good. About as good Mm -hmm. as it can be in the SEC West this decade. And he's got one of the better defensive coordinators in the conference in Todd Grantham, who stayed. He was lured by the NFL but said, nope, I want to stay here in Gainesville. I like what we're building here. And I am going to put Dan Mullen as maybe just a slight tier below Urban Meyer, who was his mentor and his predecessor. I think that if if recruiting can continue and if the positive upswing that Mullen has really started at Florida here, I think that that's going to continue. And the the folks down in Athens, Georgia, really have uh, Gators hot on their heels. So offensively, Florida was in the top 35 in all offensive categories last year, all relevant ones anyway. Felipe Franks, to me, is an elite quarterback, at least he'll need to be, to take the Gators over that UGA hump the last two years. Uh, They've got a deep running back group with one of the conference's best one-two combos of Malik Davis and LaMichael Pirine. And even their number three, Damian Pierce, averaged 6.1 yards per carry a season ago. Um, They were especially good in the offensive line last year. However, like you mentioned, four of them are gone. But still, I looked a little bit deeper on this BIP, and the four replacements have logged some game time and should still be representable. And Coach John Hevesy is also the co-offensive coordinator, which always helps make that a point of emphasis. So I always feel a team is much better when their offensive coordinator is a former offensive line coach, or if they uh, team up and they, they, they coach the offensive line in conjunction. So it would be different if he was the sole offensive coordinator, but because he's the co-coordinator that gives him a little bit more time. And he's kind of the, the upfront, the ground game coordinator of, of that offense. And so I, I like that. I think that their offensive line will, will be okay. And 
that's not to say anything about the stellar group of receivers that they have, probably one of the best in the SEC. And you could say that really about eight of these teams in that conference. But Van Jefferson, Freddie Swain, Trevon Grimes, who's an Ohio State transfer, um, Tyree Cleveland. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And then their top recruit this year, Aria Henderson, is you know a, a top 10 wide receiver. So this is a group that's that's going to get the ball. They're going to spread it out. And that's not even to mention guys like um, you know, Joshua Hammond and Kadarius Tony. I mean, I, I could go on and on a bit, but I'm, I'm starting to bore our SEC listeners. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, loaded with athletes for sure. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's the cliff notes version defensively. <laughs> they're top 20 in most defensive categories, most notably when teams tried to throw against them, they've finished 17th in pass efficiency defense, which to me, BIP is really the true measure of how good you are at defending the pass. It's not so much the yards you give up, but what type of passes are you allowing to be completed? What are you doing when the ball's in the air? And so finishing 17th in pass efficiency defense says that these guys were hard to throw against. Helping them were that they were 20th in sacks. And like you mentioned, this is going to be a good pass rush group, especially with getting Jonathan Greeter, the transfer from Louisville, and, and some pretty good recruits coming in as well. They were 20th in the nation in scoring defense and 35th in defensive yards per play. So um, Todd Grantham, he's an aggressive style defensive coordinator. He likes to bring pressure from all areas, and that's just going to spell trouble for opposing offenses, but great things for that Gator defense. Where they need to shore up, though, is against the run. They were 65th, 65th in stopping running the ball last year, and they had a bad red zone defense last season, 115th, and that kind of spelled reasons why they dropped some of those games like Kentucky, Georgia, Missouri. Um, and then, uh, you know, they, they too have recruited well. They're, they've been 12th in recruiting in the last four years, so you know that these guys have the athletes like we touched upon. They do need to be a little bit more disciplined as they were 89th in penalties a season ago. But they, they did the right thing in protecting the ball. They finished seventh nationally in the turnover margin, and that's always going to put you on the right side of the tape. So if they can continue that sort of trend, I, I, I'm not going to argue that the Gators can contend for that East, but I still like them number two because I do see them losing not only to LSU, but in that large outdoor cocktail party against the Bulldogs. But I think it's going to be real close. I think that's going to be a game that everyone's going to want to watch in the SEC this year, Bip. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, number three. I'll go to my number three, and that's going to be the Tennessee Volunteers. Now, this is my surprise team out of the SEC, and I say surprise because I have them winning 10 games this year. Yeah, you heard me right, Gator fans. 10 games from the folks out in Knoxville. Going Very to... interesting, Chappie. Yeah, so uh, so hear me out. <laughs> 10 and 2 overall, 6 and 2 in the conference. I think that their two losses come to the Florida Gators out in the swamp, and then also to Alabama. But you know, the schedule sets up okay. They play Georgia State, BYU, and UT Chattanooga in their first three. Ugh. Then they get the Gators out in Gainesville. <laughs> then they have a bye. Then they play Georgia on October 5th at home, which is a win, I think, for them because, you know, Georgia uh, is is, is going to be a little bit battle-tested more so than, uh, than the Volunteers. But, you know, having them off that bye, I think, is really going to help. And um, this is a Tennessee team. As, as we look at what they've got coming back. They are the second, they're number two in returning production for their entire team. Now, some people may look at that and say, well, they weren't that good last year. They were five and seven and really a couple of games away from winning seven games. I think that they should have beat Vanderbilt last year um, in, the, in the finale and should have gone to a bowl game, but that's neither here nor there anymore. So it's an interesting team. 
Uh, offensively, Jared Garantano made strides last year, and his numbers were very efficient. And now he's working with offensive and quarterback guru Jim Chaney, who I really like, and I know that we'll touch on him later. Uh, they have three offensive linemen returning, plus two of the highest-rated offensive tackles in the 2019 freshman class. And this group was 45th in protecting the quarterback last year. So it goes to reason that they would only be better this year, especially with a, uh, an experienced and more uh, efficient Jared Guarantano. They they need to get more out of the run game, though, Bip, as they were 114th nationally in running the ball last year. And really, they they need to have a guy to emerge this year. They don't really have that, quote, SEC-looking running back. So more is on the shoulders of Garantano and that passing game. And fortunately for them, their wide receivers and their tight ends are very, very good. And I'm not going to run down the entire list, as I did that for Florida ad nauseum. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, these guys can can separate themselves. They've got good size. Uh, okay, I'm going to throw out a couple names. Josh Palmer, Juwan Jennings, Marquez Callaway. All three guys are, are bigger receivers. They're physical receivers. And Guarantano is, is going to do a good job fitting the ball tightly in, in small windows. And so I, I like this offense. Defensively is where they're going to have to show some things. They get a new defensive coordinator in Derek Ainsley, who comes over from the Oakland Raiders. But they do return 76% of the production that they had from last year on this side of the ball. I think this defense is going to be better than people think, especially up the middle. Uh, they had good pickups in the transfer market, especially at defensive tackle, and also the junior college market as well. Where they were weakest against was the pass last year, but that could have been uh, for pedestrian numbers in the pass rush, uh, You know, as they were not very good at getting after the quarterback, so I think that that affected how well they defended the pass. I think both areas are going to be much improved this season. The secondary should be pretty good. Uh, they did have one of the worst red zone defenses in the country last year. They were 120th, and usually you start to see that number – go back towards more of the mean, as you like to say. So I don't think that they will be as bad in that category defensively. I think that this defense is going to be short up. And Jeremy Pruitt being a defensive guy, you know that his process is going to take over and they're going to be much better stopping uh, opposing offenses. They do need to protect the ball a little bit better. They were 73rd in the country in turnover margin, which is a little bit on the, uh, the, the lower half of the spectrum. I think that that number gets short up this year. I just really like Tennessee. I know ESPN really likes them as well. Not that I'm trying to mirror the the network out in Bristol, but there's just a lot of positive things that are, are pointing in the right direction for UT. And I think that the the other four teams in the SEC East just don't strike much fear into me. And that's why I put the Vols in there at number three at 10 and two and six and two. Bip, who do you have at number three? Well, Chappie, I also have the Volunteers, but I yeah. don't have them as aggressively as you do. Um, and, and I'll tell you, it was neck and neck between my three and four, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, I like the, the Volunteers to finish eight and four with losses at Florida, uh, home against Georgia, at Alabama, and at Kentucky. And the reason for that loss at Kentucky is that's towards the stretch. It's right before their bye week uh, in November. And I think that uh, that that uh, physical schedule that they have at the middle of the season could wear them out just a little bit um, and, and give Kentucky their biggest win of the season. But I'm with you. I think that this is an underrated group of receivers. Keep an eye out for Josh Palmer as he averaged 21 yards per catch last year. So a good, uh, really good downfield threat. I am a little nervous, uh, probably more so than you at that offensive line, as like you mentioned, they might start two true freshmen on the offensive line at tackle nonetheless. So uh, how does that affect Guarantano if they don't uh, perform as well as what uh, their recruiting rankings might say, who Guarantano is kind of a, a shaky quarterback to begin with? 
Um, additionally, I have questions at running back similar to you, but defensively, I think they should be pretty solid. I like the group of linebackers led by Darrell Taylor, and I really like their secondaries. I think Nigel Warrior and Bryce Thompson could challenge for all SEC honors. Mm-hmm. And I like how you brought up the, uh, the red zone defenses. That was one of the points I was going to make too, Chappie, is there was a, a big disparity, uh, for Tennessee last year in regards to yards per game given up, uh, being much lower um or or you know better for the vols than what their points per game given up so i mean essentially how i view it is that teams that have such a big disparity they should as you mentioned regress to the mean in my opinion as uh you know factors such as luck penalty yards um and um just just overall things kind of out of their control uh, could go, could bounce their way this year. So I like for, I like Tennessee to rebound from that, uh, forgettable first season under Jeremy Pruitt. I think that he's got the balls going in the right direction. I like them bringing in Jim Chaney and I think that offense could be, uh, improved, but I think that defense is really going to carry them this year, um, to, to eight wins in the sec. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to counterpoint your, your concern about the tackles. Darnell Wright is six six three twenty. I'll take that at offensive tackle. Wanye Morris <laughs> uh, is 6'4", 309, which you'd like to, him to have a little bit more beef. I mean, 309 is nothing to sneeze at, but uh, he's an athletic tackle, and he was in for the spring. So he's he's had about six months of tutelage and workouts and, and some familiarity and comfort with that offensive front. I think that they will be okay, especially, again, I really like Jim Chaney. I th- that, that was a move that surprised me from him leaving Georgia and mm-hmm. going to one of their big rivals. And the fact that the Vols get them at home in week five, uh, that's that just spells upset for me. I don't think it's going to derail the dogs at all, but I think it's going to give Tennessee that positive momentum that they need. And again, I'm just not overly concerned with the other four in the SEC East. So, well, they're gonna they're gonna need to hope that uh, Wright and Wanye Morris become are turned from boys to men uh, <laughs> early this season. Chappie. Bazinga! But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I had to get that uh, that easy part. And out. I thought about so. that, but I didn't have one on the tip of my tongue. So I'm glad you picked it up, Bip. Um, well, let's go to your number four on the SEC East list because you said they were yep. neck and neck. And- they were neck and neck, and the reason why my number four team finishes at number four is I have them losing to Tennessee in the last game of the season, and that's the Vanderbilt Commodores. Ooh. Now, this is gonna be this is gonna cause some controversy. I know I have Vandy coming out eight and four this year, four and four in the SEC. Wow! And the reason why I think that mainly is because of that offense. I think that offense is going to be fun to watch. I think it's going to be high flying. I think it's going to be an offense that's going to take some teams by surprise as they have, they return um, their top three wide receivers, including um, all SEC candidate Kalijah Lipscomb. They have Jared Pinckney, who could be the best tight end in the country. Mm-hmm. I really like uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and what he did, especially at the end of last year. And Ball State quarterback uh, transfer Riley Neal, I think he's going to turn some heads this year. I think he's going to play with way more talent than he ever had at Ball State. He's got the more of an ability to run than what people are going to give him credit for. He's a big quarterback, got a good arm. I think that that's going to propel this uh, Vanderbilt offense to um, their best offensive performance in quite some time. Now, their defense obviously has plenty of question marks, but... Uh, from everything that I've, that I've, that I've heard and seen, um, coach Derek Mason said that he kind of likes this defense better than what he's had in the past several years, mainly because of the depth that they have. So 
and and we know that how important depth uh, plays a role in the SEC, especially as you get into games five, six, seven, eight in the conference schedule, that you're going to need fresh bodies, you're going to need good players, you're going to need athletes, and I think they might have just enough with that offense that they have. So I have them losing at or uh, home against Georgia in the opener, but keep an eye on that one. I'm going to keep a, a close eye to see what that spread is as it uh, comes out uh, and we get closer to August 31st. I think that, that puts the Bulldogs on upset alert. Maybe not a huge upset alert, but that's one that uh, if the Bulldogs are going to stub their toe, that could be a prime candidate for it. I also have them losing at home to LSU, at Florida, and like I mentioned, at Tennessee in their rivalry game at the last game of the season. I would love to agree with that pick on Vanderbilt because I, I, I like what Derek Mason is doing, and I really like these players on Vanderbilt. I love watching Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, I mean, the guy is is a human highlight. I mean, anybody who watched that bowl game against Baylor last year was just left with, yeah, that was wow. fun. I mean, literally. Yep. Wow. Um, I, I wish I could be as, as generous as you are. I have them actually losing <laughs> to Georgia and then Purdue the next week. I just, something about playing Jeff Brom and, and that's a, a toss up game because Purdue is not traditionally started off hot out of the gate. I mean, they lost to Eastern Michigan at home last year, but I, right. And that was one of my deciding factors in that one. Yeah. Um, I have them losing against LSU, but I don't like them winning at Ole Miss because I, you know, I think that's going to be an offensive shootout. And I like Ole Miss's defense better than I like Vandy's defense. I have them losing against Missouri. I have them losing at South Carolina just because I couldn't pick South Carolina to be as bad as, as I thought that they were going to be when I first started. I ran into the same problem, yeah. but yeah. Uh, I know we'll get into that. But yeah, I, I almost had uh, uh, the switch flip for South Carolina and several of those. So I agree with you yeah, on that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna tip my hand. I actually have Vanderbilt finishing at the bottom of the SEC East at 4-8, and 1-7. and seven. And I hate to do that, Vanderbilt okay. fans. And I hope that I'm wrong. I really do. But uh, I just... Uh, there's there's teams ahead of them uh, that I that I like better. So I'm going to get to my number four, and that's going to be the Missouri Tigers. And to me, this is kind of a generous pick because I know that there are some publications who are claiming that Missouri is going to be the sleeper in the SEC and they could contend with you know winning the SEC East. And I say. How the hell can they do nah. that? I mean, Georgia, <laughs> Florida, and like I said, even Tennessee. So I wouldn't be shocked if Missouri finishes third, but I have them at fourth with a seven and five record, three and five in the SEC. Uh, I'll just go down and, and say who I have them losing against because that'll be easier. But um, let me pull it up here. Uh, my mouse is scrolling slower than I want it to. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a, you know, I saw that. You know, some people said that they have him high because a quote schedule pick. I actually think they'll start seven and zero out of the gate. And Missouri fans, you might want to turn the the dial down for a minute. I have them losing their last five, so they they come out swinging. I have them beating South Carolina. I have them beating Ole Miss. I have them beating Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Then they get into the meat of the SEC schedule. Uh, I'm sorry, I have yep. I have them losing to Kentucky. <laughs> so after their bye, after what I think is a loss at Kentucky. At Georgia, loss. Versus Florida, loss. Versus Tennessee, loss. At Arkansas, loss. Because I think that Arkansas is going to be another one of those teams that's going to be hard to pick, kind of like Vanderbilt. You know, I could easily see Vanderbilt mm -hmm. being eight and four, and I could more real realistically see him being four and eight. And I see the same thing about Arkansas as well. So I just, I'm not sold on Missouri. I, I know that everybody really got uh, shifted in their pants when Kelly Bryant transferred over there, but I just don't see it. Larry Roundtree is a, is a good running back. 
He's got some pretty good receivers, notably Jalen Knox and Jonathan Johnson, but um, and, you know a decent decent offensive line. But I'm not sold on their defense. Uh, Cole Garrett or Kale Garrett is a, is a great linebacker, um, and Missouri was okay defensively last year, but nothing to knock it out of the park. And again, when you're going up against some of those more efficient offenses, especially in the SEC East. I think that Georgia gives them trouble. I think Florida gives them trouble. I think Tennessee gives them trouble. I think even South Carolina, uh, if they get solid quarterback play, can give them trouble. So um, Missouri is a good team, but I just I think that they got so bottom heavy in their schedule that uh, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, all one after another, after playing uh, at Kentucky, who Kentucky's going to be a scrappy team this year. I just don't see that working out in, in favor for the Tigers. And, you know, especially they're still in limbo about whether they're going to be bowl eligible this year. They, they've appealed to the NCAA. I have not, as of uh, press time, heard any, any news on whether they're going to be eligible or not. Phil Steele seems to think that they are. I have my doubts. I think the SEC, or the NCAA who's gotten themselves in a lot of hot water with their uh, judgments lately. I think that they might make a statement and say, no, we're going to put our foot down and sorry, Missouri Tigers, you're not going to be able to go to a bowl this year. So seven and five, but um, unless the NCAA overturns their judgment, they're going to be without a bowl anyway. And and I think that that's going to be something that weighs down on these Tigers, especially as they start to rack up a couple losses in a row at the end of the season there. Yep, so. I also have Missouri at uh, in fifth place um, at seven and five. Or I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I had him fourth okay. place, but uh, you, you, yeah, you obviously. Well, had let me him, go into uh, my fifth. Lower. Let me go into my uh, fifth place uh, finish there. Then Chappie. perfect segue. Perfect. Segue, <laughs> I had the yeah. Missouri Tigers, <laughs> and um, right. I, I have them going seven and five, three and five in the conference. Though their non-conference uh, schedule is is relatively light they do have west virginia but yeah. we know west virginia is going to be down this year i have them losing and they've got them at home right too, so and uh i have them losing against south carolina in the fourth game of the season i have them losing at vanderbilt okay. and then that gauntlet of the uh end of their season i have them losing to georgia florida tennessee and it was a coin flip for me with arkansas as well because like you mentioned if they're not bowl eligible and let's say that they lose to Vandy. They could potentially lose to Kentucky, like you have them losing as well. Then they lose to Georgia, right. Florida, Tennessee. How much motivation do the Tigers come out to play at Arkansas in a game to which neither team may be bowl eligible, but you know Arkansas is going right. to be dangerous this year, playing um, on the road, potentially for nothing to play for, having been uh, in three physical matchups back-to-back-to-back, I think that weighs on the right. Tigers. So seven and five could be even generous uh, in regards to right. that. I'm with you. I don't think that Kelly Bryant coming in, I think it was a good replacement for Drew Locke in regards to their other options, but I think that there's a stark drop-off between production of Locke to Kelly Bryant. I think they're going to miss Emmanuel Hall this year. Um, I, I do like Larry Roundtree running the ball, but uh, defensively they lose a decent amount on that uh, uh defensive line i like demarcus ac and christian holmes in the secondary but yeah i just uh i'm with you i I don't see missouri being that team that rises above i think that they're going to be a thorn in the side of some of the powers in the sec this year and could have some really entertaining games uh some some games that uh, are shootouts but i i think that seven and five is the ceiling for them this year but they could end up coming off with uh only five or six wins when all said and done chappy yeah, and I forgot to mention that uh, you know 
they they were mediocre defensively last year. They were pretty bad in the red zone. They were 105th nationally in stopping scoring plays inside the 20. And their head coach, Barry Odom, who's on the hot seat, is calling their defensive plays. So when you are on the hot seat, when when some people are saying, well, if you are bowl ineligible this year, you're probably going to see the door because we need to, to change the regime. Uh, that's a lot on your mind. And you've got to call defensive plays in the high-flying a highly explosive SEC. Good luck with that. Right. So, um, yeah, that's where I. That's one of those teams where you know when the way too early polls came out, and even some of the more recent polls after spring ball and whatnot, people still have the Missouri Tigers as high as like fifteenth in the country. Mm-hmm. I'm just not seeing nope. it. So, all right. Well, let's get to uh, my number five team, and that's the South Carolina Gamecocks, who I think that they finished four and eight, two and six in the SEC. This is a team that you know. I've, I've also seen people be pretty high on them. And a lot of people are just in love with Jake Bentley. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Bentley, but he, you know, he just does not uh, strike all American in my mind. No. And, you know, especially with, um, especially with their, their, I mean, he was a 27 to 14 touchdown interception ratio last year. That's not that great. In my opinion, he completed 62% of his passes for 3,100 yards, but in the big games, he, he really kind of choked. And so with Ryan Holinsky coming in, that's going to be the future. And with, um, Will Muschamp needing to start to look ahead to what he can do to secure his job. If they come out and, and they're not swinging right away, I think you might look at putting Halinski in and starting to pay for the future and saying, okay, Jake Bentley, you're going to have an NFL career or an NFL invite anyway. And he might go the way of someone like Brad Johnson when he was at Florida state, who's still going to get drafted, but you know, he's not going to be the starting quarterback. And of course I'm just speculating, but you know, I have him losing to North Carolina in Charlotte in that opening week. I think North Carolina is a a scary good team this year, Um, especially in that opener. You don't know what you're going to get with, Mac Brown and Phil Longo on offense and Jay Bateman on defense. So I think that the Gamecocks lose that one. Um, I have them losing then to Alabama in week three at Missouri in week four. I have them losing after a bye to Georgia, then Florida, then Tennessee, all three in a row. And then they have to play at Texas A&M and at or against Clemson. So the schedule I've seen is ranked as one of the toughest, if not the toughest in the country. So for me, it's hard to imagine anything more than five wins. Realistically, like I said, I have them at four wins, two and six in the SEC, which puts them at number uh, five in in that column of the SEC. Bit. Yep, and and I, I agree with you in that regard. Um, I uh, I'm not impressed with Jake Bentley. He kind of reminds me of of another Jake, Jake Browning, uh, from last year, to where yeah. you know, like he's there forever. He's good. He's the best that they have. But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets pulled for a couple games like you mentioned this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do like their group of receivers, Brian Edwards, Shai Smith. I think Edwards could challenge for first or second team All-SEC honors at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like their uh, defensive front seven, Javon Kinlaw, Sherrod Green, TJ Brunson. Um, and I think that, I think that their talent level is much better than what their end result is going to be because like you mentioned, they have – maybe the toughest schedule in the entire country. Um, And uh, I just think that that schedule is going to be too much. And, and I, like I mentioned before, I, I I found myself unfairly, uh, you know, you try to go into these picks of just saying, okay, who's the better team. But then when you get to a certain point, you're like, well, 
South Carolina can't lose 10 games this year. <laughs> so, right. so right. I know they gotta, they gotta do something. Um, so, yeah. so I'll, I'll get into where I have them ranked in, in just a moment, but, uh, Chappie, yeah. who do you have coming in at, uh, number six? Number six, I have last year's SEC darlings, the Kentucky Wildcats. I have them finishing five and seven overall, but only one and seven in conference. I I want to root for Kentucky, and I want them to continue their success that they had last year. But losing Benny Snell is big. Losing those guys on defense is big. Uh, you know, obviously Josh Allen and Darius West, Mike Edwards on that defensive side of the ball. They they also lost one of their top receivers in. Uh, Taven Richardson, or he wasn't one of the top receivers, but one of the the guys that they were looking at coming back. Tight end CJ Conrad. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm still not sold on Terry Wilson. I know he had a good spring game, but again, is that a product of how good he is, or is that a product of the fact that they were replacing guys in the secondary and guys were injured? You know, so you really have to take every spring performance with a grain of salt. Um, you know, I have him losing games against Florida, at Mississippi State, at South Carolina. Um, losing at home to Arkansas, and that's kind of a coin flip game for me, but they're at Georgia. Uh, they're home against Tennessee after a bye. They're at Vanderbilt, and I think that that's a game that Vanderbilt can win. Um, it's just, you know, I would like to see Mark Stoops continue to do well, but I think that this is a rebuild year for them, and fortunately, they're still young. So Kentucky fans, there's there's not a lot of hope lost. I think 2020 is going to be a season where Kentucky can get right back into it. But I have big question marks at that running back spot. I know that these guys are physical and run hard, and Mark Stoops is always going to be a guy that's going to put emphasis on the run game. Um, but, you know, they're, they're replacing three guys on the offensive line. They do have Drake Jackson, who's an all-SEC center. But then defensively, like I said, in the back seven and even at uh, both outside rush end positions, they're having to put new guys in there at that spot. So, uh, again, SEC East, there's there's just no room for a drop off. And because Kentucky has not been a top 20 team in recruiting the last uh, three or four years, I just don't see them repeating that success this year. So I have them at number six, again, five and seven, one and seven in the SEC East. Yep, I have them coming in at number seven, Chappie, and I have them six and six overall, but that's because their non-conference schedule is just so weak. Uh, Two and six in the SEC. I have them uh, winning against all four of their non-conference opponents being Toledo, Eastern Michigan, UT Martin, and Louisville, Uh, but I do have them only beating uh, Arkansas at home, and then I have them with a, uh, I guess this was hopeful thinking on my part, a win at home against Tennessee, but they do play the Vols after a bye week. So I think that could be something that uh, yeah. the Vols maybe stub their toe on uh, potentially. Um, but I think that's that's pretty much what Kentucky can is the best that they can hope for this year. I, I'm also not sold on Terry Wilson. He had a much better completion percentage uh, last year than I was expecting, but he had only 11 to 8 touchdown to interception ratio, ratio and he didn't really uh, unload the ball down the field too often. So kind of interested to see if they open him up a little more this year now that they don't have the dominant running game that they had last year and see if uh, that opens things up a little more for that Kentucky offense. Their running backs actually have impressed quite a few in the spring, but like you said, it is the spring and they're playing against uh, what looks like to be a kind of a depleted defense. I really like Cash Daniel at linebacker. Um, yeah. but out, outside of that, um, there's not a whole lot to speak of for the Wildcats here. So 
I had them coming in at seven, which would then, uh, by process of elimination, for those of you following along, puts uh, South Carolina at um, my number six pick, who I uh, didn't allude to uh, a little bit ago. So real quick, uh, for South Carolina, jumping back to them, I have their losses against Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Texas A or Texas A and M and Clemson. So really, a, a who's who of who's going to be successful not only in the SEC but in all of college football this year. I think the the Gamecock schedule. If they were to flip it with just about anyone else in the SEC, they could be looking <laughs> at more than uh, five wins overall, but have them finishing five and seven, two and six in the conference. So, Chappie, that takes us to your number seven team. Uh, take it away. Yep. Well, and I already talked about him a little bit, so I'm not going to go into depth and detail, but I have Vanderbilt at number seven. Unfortunately for Commodore fans, four and eight, one and seven in the conference. Um, you know, again, my concerns are, are a little bit on that defensive side. And, you know, I like the right. offense. I like the playmakers that they have, the big three that Derek Mason calls them. I really like the addition of Riley Neal. Um, but, you know, again, the it, it's it's kind of to me five six and seven South Carolina Kentucky Vanderbilt are all interchangeable in my opinion right. on my side but mm -hmm. because of how the schedule lays out and because of how I think things will fall um, I do have Kentucky beating Vanderbilt that's why I have Vanderbilt at number seven behind the Wildcats so just to recap um, my SEC East I have Georgia Florida Tennessee Missouri South Carolina Kentucky and Vanderbilt Bip you want to give them your one through seven real quick. Yep. Mine goes Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Missouri, South Carolina, Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. So we pretty much agree on everything except you put Vanderbilt ahead of Missouri and slide everybody else down. And I have yep. Missouri all the way down and then Vanderbilt rounding it out. So, um, yep. all right, well, let's go over to the sec West, which is pretty much like an NFL conference, uh, in many people's <laughs> opinions. So right. let me guess, Bip, who do you have finishing atop the sec West? Well, it's a team that starts with A and ends with Alabama. I'm um, <laughs> going with the Crimson Tide, Chappie. And there's really uh, too many reasons to mention, but I'll just briefly go through some of them. Yeah. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa is going to be obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the country again this year. Mm -hmm. They have, in my opinion, the best group of receivers in the country, Clemson included. I think Najee Harris is going to be a real force um, in that Alabama offense now that he's got the other two backs finally away from him, and I think he's going to challenge for the Doak Walker Award this year. Yep. Their offensive and defensive lines lost a considerable amount of talent, but they reload once again as they always recruit heavily on the offensive and defensive lines, not just with talent, but with depth. Um, I think their linebackers will be among the best, uh, one of the best groups in the entire country. Um, that uh, that secondary is going to be fast and explosive once again, and and they they do a good job of getting them to disrupt plays, making tackles for loss, breaking up passes. Um, I, I really like that secondary. I like uh, how uh, fast and explosive that they are. And they have a relatively easy schedule for being in the SEC. They're home against Tennessee and LSU. They do have Texas A&M and Auburn on the road, but compared to other SEC teams, this might be the lightest schedule in the conference, oh, yeah. although it helps that they don't have to play Alabama. So, right. um I, I have them going 13 and 0, Chappie, and I have them wow. winning the um, SEC championship game, uh, obviously going undefeated in the conference. Yeah, and, and the SEC championship game against Georgia, then. Yep. Yep. Um, 
Well, yeah, it, you know, it's funny. I have Alabama too, and, and I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. And I always love looking at when when magazines and publications will say returning starters or starters lost. For Alabama, it should just say DM. Doesn't matter, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, like you said, they recruit and they reload. There's there's no concern about. Oh my gosh, I mean, they could lose all eleven starters in offense and still churn out uh, three or four, if not more all SEC players on that offense or on that defense. So, um, yeah, I have them at number one as well. I have them going 11-1. and one. Listen carefully. Their one loss in season coming to the Auburn Tigers in Jordan-Hare on November 30th. Now, I know Alabama fans are already getting in their uh, pickup trucks and are heading up north to try and find this chappy fella who is calling for a loss. <laughs> Uh, yeah, someone, inside. <laughs> someone hold back Pine, Paul Feinbaum from getting to Chappie. Yeah, right. Hey, well, call me on the show. I'd love to be on again, Paul. <laughs> um, so I do have him going 11-1, and 7-1 in the conference. But, you know, that's going to be a game where it's not going to be that Auburn wins that game and represents the West in the SEC championship. I still think that Alabama goes to Atlanta. Um, I just, uh, you know, again, it's, it's one of those years where Auburn, I think is going to have Alabama's number and they play them at home, which obviously helps, but yeah, let's go down reasons why Alabama is going to be number one as if anybody needs them. Uh, right. And, and, and maybe the best example of what you and I mentioned of reloading Quinn and Williams. I mean, who knew about that guy going into last season and he, yeah. he ends up being the best defensive player in college football. So. Yeah, and then uh, in January, I got to see Cole Kublik's Twitter feed where he had like 67 plays of Quentin Williams, and uh, you know, really had a, really had a man boner going for, uh, for number 99. So, <laughs> right. uh, but uh, yeah, so two on those receivers. Steve Sarkeesian is the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach, uh, one of the best in the business at that position. They rank number two overall in my 2019 power predictor stats, which I don't take 100% efficiently. It's really more of a guide. But I think also what Alabama has going for them is that sour taste in their mouth from the beatdown against Clemson in the in the oh, yeah. championship game. And it's that, quote, other year where Saban gets it done. So I think, um, you know, in the last four years, he's won a championship and then lost a championship. So if the trend continues, Alabama could be hoisting that trophy this year. So don't get so upset, Alabama fans. I have you losing to Auburn, but in the end, would you rather lose to Auburn but win the SEC championship and the national title, or would you have it the other way around? Um, offensively, they were number one in pass efficiency last year, mainly because of Tua. Um, they were number two in offensive yards per play and number three in scoring offense. Defensively, they were the number six team in red zone defense. They were number 10 in sacks, and they're going to be just as good this year. I mean, you look at that front, Raekwon Davis, LeBron Ray at defensive ends. DJ Dale, who's a, a, a true freshman, he was in for the spring, is going to compete for freshman of the year honors at, at that nose guard spot. Um, special teams are what needs to get better. They were 114th in punting yards last year, and we saw how place kicking, especially friggin' extra points, was problematic uh -huh. for the for the Tide. Uh, but they've been the number one team in recruiting the last four years, and that's not going to change anytime soon. They were number three in offensive yards per point and number nine in defensive yards per point. So this is just a model of efficiency. And so, yeah, I have them running the, the gauntlet are running the table until that Auburn game. They lose that. They get brought to reality a little bit. Saban uh, fires them up. They they win the SEC championship. They make the college football playoff. And that'll be another podcast to let you know where we think they'll be going from there. So they're my number one bip. Let's get to number two in the West. 
Okay, number two, I have the LSU Tigers, and I know that you're quite fond of them as well. Um, what I really yes, like sir. about LSU, first and foremost, is that secondary. It's going to be yeah. perhaps the best secondary in the entire country, and they're going to have yep. multiple first-team All-SEC selections and perhaps multiple first-to-third-team All-American selections by the end of the year. That group of linebackers led by Jacob Phillips and uh, Kalevon Chason, who's coming back from injury, will be fast and nasty. Mm-hmm. Offensively, yeah. they return their <laughs> they return their uh, top four receiving options, and quarterback Joe Burrow took a major uh, step forward last year, which was a sight yeah. for sore eyes in Baton Rouge, as they have not been able to get a whole lot from the quarterback position in years past. The Tigers right. also returned four starting offensive linemen. Their main question that I have, though, is at running back. As LSU finished eighth amongst uh, SEC teams in rushing yards per game last year. And they lose leading rusher Nick Brissett. So I'm not sold that uh, unless John Emery can come in and uh, take the SEC by storm, um, which is entirely possible. Don't get me wrong, especially with that very good offensive line that they're going to have. But Mm -hmm. going into the season, I'm not going to bank on a true freshman taking over, especially in the SEC. Um, So that's one of the main reasons as to why um, I have them at number two. And I have them losing to Florida and then also at Alabama. So finishing 10 and two overall six and two in the conference. LSU is going to be there and, and uh, fighting all the way to the end against both Florida and Bama. But I think uh, that the Gators and, and the Crimson Tide get the better of the Tigers just barely um, to leave LSU at number two in the, uh, in the West. So let me get this straight. You have them beating Texas out in Austin in week two then, correct? Yes, I do. Good pick. I do as well. So I'm going to take it over and say that they're my number two as well. And if they weren't playing in Tuscaloosa, I would really consider them being the team that tops Alabama in the West this year. But because that game is is out in Bama land, I just don't see them going out to Bryant-Denny Stadium and stealing one from the tide. So I have them going 10-2. and two. My losses, I have them beating Florida on October 12th. Like I said, kind of that revenge game. Yep. That was a game that LSU should not have lost in the swamp last year. This year they get them in Death Valley. It's probably going to be a night game. Uh, so they'll, they'll get that complete atmosphere. But then they'll be emotionally spent, and I think they drop the next week at Mississippi State. I think that by then, Joe Moorhead's team will start to develop an identity and and upset the LSU Tigers, who that will be their first loss. So LSU could be a top four, top three ranked team going into Stark Vegas, but I think the dogs get it done. And then, of course, that game at Alabama. But I have them winning every other one, including home games against Texas A&M, home game against Auburn. Um, I like them a lot. Their defense is is really what uh, impresses me, but now their offense is, is coming around too. So starting with Coach O, I, I really like him. I know sometimes he gets a bad rap, but I feel that he would be good if he were, you know, I would feel good if he were my coach, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got very knowledgeable assistants too. Dave Aranda is probably one of the hottest commodities for the next head coach if he ever wants it. Uh, but I'm starting to get the feeling he's kind of like a, uh, Brent Venables. He's a guy who likes being a defensive coordinator. He doesn't want to be at the top. He's good at what he does. He's found his niche and is probably going to stay there. 
Um, co-offensive coordinator Steve Emsinger and Joe Brady, who is brought in this year to boost the passing game. And we're going to see a lot more throwing out of Joe Burrow. In fact, in the spring game, they started out first play with five wide empty backfield. Now, part of that is because of Brady's influence. But I think uh, the other part of that is going to be, like you said, they don't really have that SEC back um, to go to. But in my opinion, the depth that they have at running back with uh, John Emery, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, and then also uh, a name to throw out there, Chris Curry, who really proved to be a bruiser in the spring. I think that they're better with more than they are with one. So if I'm LSU, I'm okay with having three guys who can share the load as opposed to putting the weight on one guy to do everything. So they have 82% of their offensive production returning. Um, offensive line was an issue. They gave up a lot of sacks last year. They were 103rd in the country, but I think a lot of that was Joe Burrow just tucking it and not wanting to make a mistake downfield. He only threw five interceptions a year ago. So I think that he kind of had that mindset to sacrifice the sack as opposed to throwing an interception, which is a big, uh, you know, momentum changer, as we all know. Um, they were also 101st in tackles for lost yards allowed. So that offensive line needs to short up a little bit. And I think that they will, this is a, a good group in front. Um, they do have four starters uh, returning, and they're probably going to play a true freshman at offensive guard in Cardell Thomas. They're really high on him. So I think that the offensive line will will be better. Defensively, like I mentioned, they're, they're going to be good. Grant Delpit is one of my favorite players in college football. Um, you know, he's a clear All-American in my mind. Uh, they were top 35 in almost every major defensive category a year ago, especially fourth and pass defense, pass efficiency defense, which I talked about earlier is really a true measure of how good you are against uh, people that throw the ball. Their only real struggle was, again, red zone defense, which really surprises me that so many of these SEC defenses had trouble stopping teams in the red zone. And I don't know if that's more so that the offenses are that good or if there's just something wrong with uh, you know how these guys play defense inside the 20 bit. Um, they have a very good back seven, like you talked about. I love their linebackers and DBs. I'd put them up against anyone in the country. They've been fourth in recruiting over the last four years, and they were seventh in the turnover margin last year, tied for seventh. So they protect the ball. They don't really give it up a whole lot. So that seemed to be a recipe for success. And like I said, Coach O is a guy that uh, is still trying to prove that he belongs in the SEC and should not have been fired like some LSU fans and some SEC writers were suggesting after they lost a home game to Troy in his first season. We all see, we all saw how how good of a coach Neil Brown was at Troy and and hoping to do good things at West Virginia. But so yeah, I have LSU at number two, seven and two in the conference, ten and two overall. Very nice, Chappie. Well, why don't you? So keep- I'm gonna. Up, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to number three. Um, so Auburn is a team that is not getting a lot of love, and I think that's a scary pick to put them below teams like Texas A&M. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why people are putting them below Mississippi State. <laughs> and I've got one major reason why that defensive line. So the Auburn mm-hmm. Tigers, um, I think that they finished seven or I'm sorry, nine and three, five and three in the SEC. Um, Gus Malzahn is a good coach and now he's going to have the reins on offense again. And I think that that was a mistake of him to give it up and, and put it into other coaches. And I know that he kind of tutors them, but Auburn has always been so good and his offenses have always been good. Even when he was back at Arkansas, when he's been the one calling the plays. Um, and he's also a, a great performer when people count him out. So offensively, they need to have a quarterback establish himself. I think it's going to be Joey Gatewood, a redshirt freshman. Some people are call, are comparing him to Cam Newton. I think that's unfair, and I think it's a little bit unrealistic. But if you can at least be in the same ballpark as Cam Newton when he was at Auburn, that's pretty damn good. 
I think the wide receivers are going to be better than people think. And in fact, they do as well. They, they went on Twitter and said that they are the best group of receivers in the state, which obviously compares themselves with the Alabama Crimson Tide. I wouldn't go that far, but I think that they're going to be a lot more productive than people are giving them credit for. Um, offensive line is their strength. They were 40th in sacks allowed last year, 33rd in tackles for loss allowed. And they bring back uh, a good amount of that offensive line. And they bring enough, they bring good enough backs to run behind them as well. Um, especially if they get athletic play out of their previously mentioned passing games. So if Gatewood or if it's Bo Nix who comes out and, and can find ways to utilize that speed on the outside, you know Gus Malzahn's going to draw it up to, to make that happen. I think that run game's going to be improved. They do need to be better on third down conversions, though, as they were 89th in the country in trying to move the sticks on down number three. Defensively, that's going to be their calling card. The best defensive line in the SEC, maybe in the entire country. They finished 32nd in rush defense a year ago, 16th in sacks. I mean, you got guys like Derek Brown, Nick Coe, Big Cat Bryant, um, Marlon Davidson, uh, Tyrone Truesdale, who is a, uh, a junior coming in. So, I mean, these are guys that are going to line up and just scare the the, the lights out of most SEC offensive lines, except for maybe Georgia. Team that with a good secondary, led by a guy who I love, and I can finally pronounce his name, Noah Igbenani. Um, he, uh, you know, he's a gives him a good option at corner. I think that he's going to be an All SEC player. You know, and that's not to speak anything also of Javaris Davis, Daniel Thomas, and Jeremiah Dinson rounding out that secondary. Um, they were in the top 35 in all major defensive categories a year ago, especially scoring defense. They were 14th. And like I said, they, they had high sack numbers as well. Pretty good special teams play with Anders Carlson, who I think could be the Groza award winner as best kicker this year. And then Aaron Sipos was fifth in the country in net punting a year ago. Uh, they, they recruit well. It's, it's a great place to play. I just like Auburn this year. I, I think that everything stacks up, and I think that they're going to let the world know that they could play football when they beat Oregon in August 31st out in uh, the Jerry Dome in Arlington. So, again, I have them going 9-3. and three. Their losses at Florida, at LSU, and then at home against Georgia, but I have them rectifying those losses with a, a big rivalry win against Alabama on November 30th. Bips. So number three is Auburn, nine and three, five and three in the SEC. We find ourselves in the same company again, Chappie. I have Auburn as uh, third in the West as well. I have them finishing eight and four, and I have them losing their opener against Oregon. And okay. I know that uh, that's going to be one of the more uh, divisive picks in the entire country in regards to whose team Oregon and whose team Auburn as those teams, those two teams seem to be kind of the more of the polarizing teams in the country, especially with how um, high everyone's picking Oregon to be. I think Oregon gets the job done. And I also have Auburn losing at Florida at LSU and then home at um, Alabama, but I have them beating Georgia at home two games before that. So sure. it, similar to you, I uh, it, it all starts and ends with the Tigers uh, on that defensive line. I mean, there's talent all across the uh, the board there. They have depth. They have, um, you know, top draft picks that should be there. They have uh, all SEC selections. So that's really going to be their bread and butter. Uh, to go with that, they have a very good and experienced secondary. Um, so I think breaking or uh, combining those two is going to be uh, tough for SEC offenses to uh, both run and pass against where teams could take advantage of the Tigers though, is in the linebacking group as they'll be breaking in lots of new linebackers. But one of them is very highly touted true freshman Owen Popoe, 
who has turned some heads um, and could mm-hmm. be someone that uh, makes his mark early and often in the SEC. Um, yep. Offensively, like it's kind of similar to um, the defense in which their biggest strength seems to be their offensive line. Uh, they do break in a new quarterback and two starting wide receivers, but they return their top four rushers from last year. Um, they seem to kind of lack a, a true breakaway threat, but uh, this offense, especially breaking in a new quarterback who could be a true or redshirt uh, freshman, it seems more like one of those uh, chip away at you uh, physical offenses that uh, if you can have that kind of production from your defense in regards to uh, limiting points, then offense that offense won't need to be stellar. Uh, however, breaking in the new quarterback and the uh, lack of big play threat on offense, I think, limits them enough to where they finish eight and four overall, five and three in the SEC. Yep, and Jatarvius De- De- Booby Whitlow, um, if he can be that breakaway home run threat, I would I would love to hear the Auburn play-by-play guy uh make a, a note that booby popped out so uh <laughs> well let's uh let's go to your number four bip who's finishing behind bama lsu and auburn in the sec west well chappy at fourth in the west i have the texas a&m aggies and this is Big kind of a similar to what uh south carolina was to where texas a&m is kind of a victim of their schedule as they have one of the uh-huh. toughest schedules in my opinion in the country let alone in the sec so yeah. i have them losing at clemson uh home against auburn i have them losing home against alabama and then they finish the season at georgia and at lsu in which i uh, anticipate those to both be losses as well so seven and five overall four and four in the conference I just think that they lose way too much defensively along their front seven. Um, I mean, when you look at it, they, they the cupboard's pretty bare there. They do have Justin Matabuike and Bobby Brown coming back along that defensive line. But uh, I, I just think that that defense loses too much. And this is a, a defense uh, that was second in the SEC in rush defense last year. They were 12th in the SEC in passing defense. So they return the majority of their secondary. They lose the majority of that front seven. Now do those two kind of meet in the middle and they go, you know, sixth or six to eighth for each? Or do we see the secondary being picked on again and that rush defense falling more to you know, eight, nine, ten to make this defense really something that uh, the offense has to play from behind way too much. Their wide receivers, uh, they do return a good amount of production and talent. That offensive line returns four starters, and they also return Kellen Mond, which should be a, a big plus for them as he really turned it on last year in the first year under Jimbo Fisher. But they do lose Travion Williams, uh, Sternberger, Eric McCoy. So uh, similar to their defense, they lose a lot of their home run threats and their their big time players on offense. I think that with the losses that they have, that schedule that they have, I think seven wins is their 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 pinnacle. They could maybe yeah. push to eight wins, and they're going to be one of those teams that is going to be a thorn in the side of SEC opponents this year, as they're just dangerous enough to take you into the fourth quarter just about every game. So their games against. Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, uh, and even Clemson. Those are ones that those those foes are going to be um, not excited to play the Aggies. But I, I think that they don't, they yeah. just don't have enough this year to to pull it out for that. Yeah, they're they're certainly a team to to reckon with in 2020. So uh, I I have them the same exact record, same place, and the same losses as well. Bip. So I have them dropping at Clemson, home against Auburn. 
uh, home against Bama and then at Georgia at LSU in the last two games of the season. That's a, that's a tough way to, to end it out. But um, <laughs> yeah, like you, I, I have concerns about that front four. Uh, I like uh, Justin Medjubuike and Bobby Brown. Now, Bobby Brown's interesting. So he can be a force if there's a crack in that offensive line. So if Bobby Brown can find the crack, he's certainly going <laughs> to get excited. So uh, sorry, I had to Nicely throw that done. one in there. Nicely yeah, done. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, the Jimbo era got off to a good start last year, and recruiting was great this offseason, but they might still be one year away, like I alluded to a bit. Offensively, they returned 60, 62% of their production. Offensive line was in the bottom 30 in sacks and tackles for loss allowed last year, and they lost two and a half members of that line, um, including their center, like you mentioned, uh, McCoy. Plus, they also lost their offensive line coach. So that should be a major point of emphasis this summer and fall. And if they can rectify that the right way, then the Aggies might be okay. The rush offense was good, though. And I think that they're going to be pretty good running the ball, even with the loss of Travion Williams, because I think Sean Corbin is a thousand yard back. I think he's going to be probably one of the uh, the biggest and most pleasant surprises in the SEC. I could easily see him being maybe a second or third team all SEC back. He's He returned kicks for him last year and did a great job. Uh, averaged 30.1 yards per return. So we know he's explosive, and we know that he you know can be lightning once he gets to the second level. Uh, but they also have... UCF transfer Cordarian Richardson, who goes six foot, 235. He's a bruiser. Uh, he was a pretty highly touted running back coming out of high school. So keep an eye on those two guys. Um, they're they, they're going to get big plays from not only their running backs, but more so their wide receivers. Courtney Davis, Jamon Osmond, and Kendrick Rogers make three of the, uh, you know, one of the better trios in the SEC. And again, I know that there's about eight teams you can make that argument for. But I also like their incoming freshman tight end, Baylor Cup. He stands 6'6", 245. He's a lot like Jay Sternberger, but he's a true freshman, so Aggie fans are going to get him for at least three more years. And I think that you know, with a, a dynamic quarterback like Kellen Mond and, and a good play caller in Jimbo Fisher, you're going to see him churn out some pretty big numbers this year. Defensively, this is the reason they won't contend for the West Crown like you talked about, Bip. They're replacing their top six tacklers, their top sack artist, their top tackle for loss guy, although Mike Elko is one of the best in the game and should put them in position to compete. D-line should be pretty good, but the linebackers are the question mark that needs to be squashed heading into the fall. The secondary should be better. I like these guys, actually. Even though they were 107th in pass efficiency defense a year ago, they returned three of the five, plus they have um, a pretty highly regarded JUCO recruit in um, Elijah Blades coming in at corner. He's 6'2", 180, um, was the number six JUCO uh, recruit coming from last year. And then Damani Richardson, a 6'1", 209 free safety coming in, looking uh, to compete with Leon O'Neal for that starting free safety spot. And both will probably get time. So I think the secondary will be better. Uh, but like you said, that schedule is just murderer's row, honestly. Uh, you know, they... They're, they've been recruiting well the last four years. They've been 15th in composite recruiting, but that's taken a steep upturn with the addition of Jimbo Fisher. So again, Aggie fans, bite the bullet this year. Look ahead to 2020, and I think that the Aggies, especially now that they don't have to play Clemson in a home-and-home home anymore after this season, are going to be primed for some success next season. All right, Chappie. Well, let's take, you, let's take us to your next pick, who you got coming up uh, in the number five spot. Well, I kind of alluded to them and hinted at this earlier, but I I get a good feeling about Chad Morris. I really like what he has done at the high school level. I like what he did at SMU, and I also like, you know, kind of the the strides that he made at Arkansas in his first year last year. So, um 
you know, he's an offensive coach, and and that's something that uh, I think bodes well for you in today's college game. And you have to figure the way that he recruits and the backing that Jerry Jones and other rich benefactors give to the Hogs. This will be a contender soon. I just don't see that it happens this year. Uh, they still have some questions on defense. I do like uh, McTelvin Aguib on the defensive line, and I really like their middle linebacker, Dijon Harris. But uh, I think that there's you know questions in the secondary there's um, you know, they're, they're replacing their, their defensive ends. And I think that, you know, to compete, you've got to have at least one really good uh, stud defensive end. And I just don't see Arkansas having it just yet. Um, so I have them finishing at seven and five and their loss is coming. Uh, I'm sorry, seven and five with four and four in the conference. I have them losing at Ole Miss in week two. I have them losing in that, in what I think will be a close game against Texas A&M in the, the, uh, you know, that uh, old SWC matchup out in Arlington at the Jerry Dome. I have them losing at home to Auburn, losing at Alabama, and then losing at LSU. So, you know, getting those seven wins, their schedule is pretty manageable. Out of conference, they play Portland State and Colorado State and San Jose State at home. So they they damn well want to better win those three games. And right. then they draw Kentucky from the east. And they also, oh, I'm sorry, they also have Western Kentucky at home in that traditional SEC pancake uh, breakfast that they have <laughs> in November. So they also draw Missouri out of the east, and that's in the finale. That's going to be in Little Rock, which, you know, Arkansas always seems to play well, especially in the finale on Thanksgiving weekend. So I like them going 7-5. and five. I think this is a team on the upswing and a name to really watch out for. Actually, two of them. I like Ben Hicks, their new quarterback, transfer from SMU. He's familiar with Chad Morris. He played under him at SMU. And then freshman Trey Knox. I mean, this guy looked awesome in the spring game. He's got great size, 6'5", 218. Uh, I, I don't want to say that he's Randy Moss, but he's a Randy Moss-type uh, freak athlete uh, who – you know, he's got a good catch radius, but he's also got long strides. He's going to break away. And if you watch highlights of the spring game, he certainly did that at multiple occasions. So I like Arkansas to, to finish fifth going seven and five. Bip. I I will uh, jump over. Oh, are my, you breaking? Are you I breaking? Would, I will jump over my number five team and say that Arkansas is my number six, Chappie. Okay. And I have them coming in at five and seven, one and seven in the conference as I like you, their their non conference schedule is a joke. Uh, so they're yeah. one lone um, well, SEC. It's, it's par for the SEC anyway. <laughs> true, true. Their one their lone SEC win I have is home against Mississippi State with an asterisk next to Missouri, saying that that is a coin flip for me, and it yeah. really depends on how the season's going for both teams. I could see Arkansas. Arkansas is not one of the teams that I really w- would want to bet against this year because right. they have so much of the unknown. So that defense isn't going to be anything to speak of uh, too much throughout the season. But I do like McTelvin Nagim and John Harris. Offensively is where I think they're going to hit their stride more. Like you mentioned, um, Trey Knox looks like he's going to be something special, but they also bring in Traylon Burks and uh, Hudson Henry right. as uh, hi- um, a couple additional highly talented true freshmen at wide receiver and tight end, respectively. Right. Coming back this year, Cheyenne O'Grady at tight end uh, finished with six touchdown catches last year, 400 yards. So he could challenge for all SEC honors at tight end this year. Rakeem Boyd is someone to keep an eye on as well as he really turned it up towards the end of the season. And I think 
that uh, he could benefit from Ben Hicks coming in, who Ben Hicks had his best season of his career under Chad Morris at SMU. So Mm -hmm. if the passing game opens up the running game, then Boyd could have uh, uh, an even better season than what he had last year when he averaged six yards per carry. So I see them going five and seven, one and seven in the conference. Um, And they're just behind my number six squad. Uh, or I'm sorry, my number five squad, which are the Ole Miss Rebels. Okay. And for Ole Miss this year, I have them finishing at five and seven, but going two and six in the conference. So they have uh, an opening start at Memphis, which is really going to be a tough game for the Rebels. I see them losing that game at Memphis to start the season. I then see them beating Arkansas in the second game. And then um, also beating a kind of a, another uh, surprising SEC non-conference opponent, Cal, in uh, week four of the season. And then to round out um, their their season this year and getting their second win in the SEC, I have them winning at Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. So hmm. with uh, Ole Miss, I, I see that. Um, I see this team as as having lost a ton on offense, and obviously there's there's the um, the losses at wide receiver, but they also lose their starting quarterback, three offensive linemen, and and that's going to be tough for any team to overcome. Uh, Ole Miss being hit with their sanctions, I think this year it's really going to start to show through as uh, depth is going to be an issue. Potential talent's going to uh, shine through as being a potential issue as well. I do think that uh, quarterback Matt Corral has a very live arm, but mm-hmm. starting a redshirt freshman in the SEC makes me nervous no matter who it is. Uh, defensively, Benito Jones and Mohamed Sanogo return as two of the best defenders in the SEC, and that front seven should be improved from last year as I think that's going to be their major strength of the team this season. But this defense finished towards the bottom of the SEC in several major categories last year. Um, I like them bringing in Rich Rod as offensive coordinator, but I also wonder how receptive the team's going to be to that new system and how quickly they adapt to it. So for those reasons, I see them as um, having a couple, uh, having a surprise win against Cal. Um, but as far as SEC competition is concerned, I think because they have a bye before Mississippi State, I think they go into that rivalry game to a depleted Mississippi State Bulldog team this year and uh just miss out on a bowl this year at five and seven. Well, and I should point out that Mississippi State plays Abilene Christian before the Egg Bowl, so they have a de facto buy. Pseudo well. buy, yeah, yeah, right. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I actually have Ole Miss as my seventh team in the West, and that's only because they lose the Egg Bowl to Mississippi State because it's out in Starkville, mm-hmm. um, and you know i think the fact that they they lost uh the way that they did in the egg bowl in oxford this past season going out to starkville uh when mississippi state is is going to be a little bit better um i just uh, i would love to Ole miss is a team that scares me in the sec probably more than uh, than arkansas does because i really like rich rod as a play caller i like Mac, mike mcintyre as a defensive coordinator and defensively i think they're going to be much much improved they return 10 guys on that defensive side of the ball. They also bring in Lakia Henry, who is a great junior college linebacker. He might yeah. start early. Sam Williams at defensive line. Um, I like Jerry on Ely at, at running back. I mean, Scotty Phillips is going to be the man, and Isaiah Woolard is a pretty good back as well. But Ely's going to work his way into that lineup and, and get on the field, especially since he did the Rebels a favor by throwing – uh, or turning down his baseball draft status and saying, I'm going to play football in Oxford. 
you have to believe that there is some sort of like, uh, okay, I'm doing this for you. You owe me, and 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 rightfully so. I think that they do for sure. Um, I have Ole Miss finishing seventh in the West since we're on that team, going five and seven, three and five. So just missing out on a bowl in their first year back from uh, sanctions. I also have them losing the opener at Memphis. I think that that's uh, Memphis is a very good team, and if Ole Miss had played them halfway through the season, I think that maybe the Rebels would be SEC ready and 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 knock off the Tigers but going out to the Liberty Bowl I I think that the Tigers get that one done. I have them losing at Alabama, at Missouri, home against Texas A&M, at Auburn after a bye versus LSU and then at Mississippi State. So really it was kind of a toss up for me between who finishes 6 or 7 between Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um what I have to worry about uh if I'm an Ole Miss fan is You've got three guys who are head coaches, and only one of them is officially the head coach. So is this a case of too many cooks in the kitchen? Because uh, you know that Rich Rod has a, an ego the size of the state of Mississippi, and Mike <laughs> McIntyre strikes me the same way. I mean, these are great guys, great coaches, don't get me wrong, but you have to believe that Rich Rod is auditioning for his next role, and as the season goes on, is he going to try and veer from Coach Matt Luke's script and and try and you know, show the world that he is this offensive guru and, and deserves to be a head coach at another place. And is that going to, you know, cross up what the, the Ole Miss season is going to look like? So um, they might be a little bit inexperienced this year, but look out for the Rebels in 2020, especially if, you know, the aforementioned or the previously mentioned Jerry and Ely and other freshmen get molded and built up this year. I really do like Maddie Corral as a, uh, as a quarterback. I like his moxie. I like his arm. I like the fact that he is mobile and, and seems to just be a great fit in that rich rod offense. I mean, he's not a Pat white, but he's got enough athleticism to where I think that he's going to be a much better passer than, uh, than white was. And, and that's going to work well in the sec. Um, you know, like I said, defensively, I really like Mohamed Sonogo at that inside linebacker spot. Uh, you know, that's that's going to be something that is 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 going to be you know keep an eye on for for the Rebels and and you know if it was if they were in the East, I would like them to win more games and make a bowl, but I just don't see right. them popping five. So I haven't gone five and seven, finishing seventh in the in the West. Bip. So let me get to my number sixteen, the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Who I think do make a bowl, going seven and five, three and five in the SEC West, um, and I put them at six because I have them losing head to head to Arkansas, putting them at that three and five mark in in conference. So I have them losing at Auburn, at Tennessee after a bye, back to back losses at Texas A&M and at Arkansas, and then uh, home against Alabama. So really, I have them losing five out of six games in the middle of their schedule, but then beating Abilene Christian, snooze. Uh, and then beating <laughs> Ole Miss for the egg, the Egg Bowl Cup, and, and getting to that seventh win. Uh, you know, I'm not completely sold on Joe Moorhead as a head coach yet. As an offensive mind, yes, but I, I the big question is going to be quarterback. You know, is it going to be Tommy Stevens? It seems like it's going to be, or is it going to be Katyon Thompson? I honestly think Jalen. Uh, Maiden is is the best quarterback that they have going for them. And I think that by season's end, he's going to be the one that's taking the snaps. You know, you look at a guy like Tommy Stevens, he's never been a primetime quarterback. He was more of a wildcat type slash change of pace quarterback. Yeah, he's a gadget guy. So I don't see him being an SEC solid quarterback. And, and it was really more of a gimmick that he went there and everyone's like, oh, well, he played under Moorhead. Well, okay, well, Joe Moorhead also had a couple other walk-on quarterbacks play for him that are not going to come in and light the world on fire either. So 
Uh, I mean, Tommy Stevens is certainly no Trace McSorley. The offensive line should be good. They returned three starters from uh, a group that was uh, 14th in fewest tackles for loss and finished 48th in fewest sacks last year. Um, they do get a, a good addition at wide receiver in Isaiah Zuber, who comes over as a transfer from Kansas State. I like Kylan Hill at running back. Uh, you know, he's a big bruising back, but also Nick Gibson backing him up. Um, you know, defensively, a lot of people are saying, well, Mississippi State was lights out last year. But yeah, they lost almost everybody on, they did lose everybody on that defensive front. Even though Chauncey Rivers is a pretty good defensive end uh, as a senior, you know, coming over from last chance you a few years ago, Earl Thompson, Willie Gay, Brian Cole are, are three guy, good guys in the middle. And Cole's really that hybrid linebacker, strong safety guy. I like Cameron Dantzler at, at corner. Uh, he can be a, a lockdown guy, but, you know, too many replacements on defense and, and trying to find some of that, that fit for the Bulldogs on the stop side. I just don't see them being as, as highly coveted as other people like to, to see the, the maroon and, and white this year. So I have them finishing six, going seven and five three and five in the conference bit, but they do win the egg bowl. Right. And, and I have them obviously finishing in last place, uh, seventh in the West as well, uh, losing the egg bowl to Ole Miss. Um, at, similarly, I, I think they just lose way too much on defense. And this is a team that won last year because of their defense. And it certainly wasn't because of their offense as last year, they finished 13th in passing. Uh, they did finish second in rushing, but that's because they got, uh, over 1,100 yards from Nick Fitzgerald, uh, who obviously isn't there anymore uh, at quarterback. So what does this offense look like this year? Do they run with the quarterback as much? Can they run the ball as effectively? They return their top four uh, receiving uh, threats, but they're, uh, the most yardage that they got from any one of those four was 440 yards. So what is uh, similarly to you? What kind of quarterback comes in? How effective are they? And what does this defense look like? Because obviously they lost a, a, a mass exodus of talent. But I also like Chauncey Rivers. I also like Brian Cole, Errol Thompson, uh, Cameron Dantzler. So uh, they're, they're kind of a, a little bit of a mystery to me because they don't return very much at all on defense. But I, I think more so than... Uh, my worry about what they lose on defense. I really don't think that that offense is going to move the ball very effectively no, at I all this either. year. Yeah, I have them at all uh, at five and seven, just missing a bowl, but only one and seven in the SEC with their lone win coming in uh, week four against Kentucky. Okay, yeah. So j- just to recap, uh, Bip, give us your one through seven in order to finish in the West. Okay. In the West Chappie, I have Bama coming out uh, first place, LSU in second, Auburn in third, Texas A&M in fourth, Ole Miss in fifth, Arkansas in sixth, and Mississippi State rounding it out in seventh. Yep. And I have the same top four as you, Bama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M in that order, but I have Arkansas fifth, Mississippi State sixth, and Ole Miss seventh. And of course, we both have Bama over Georgia in the SEC championship. So there's our mm-hmm. there's our picks one through seven for both the East and the West. So Bip, let's quickly run down who we think are going to be some of the top players uh, in terms of player of the year, offensively, defensively, coach of the year, assistant coach of the year, and then our most outstanding freshman. And for those of you listening, we will be posting all this on our website, which you can get from our Twitter handle at bowlful of chips. Um, we, we give actually our offense, defense, and special teams, all sec team, as well as everything else that we're talking about, the top offensive, defensive players, special teams, players to watch out for unit rankings, a lot of good stuff there for all you college football, uh, stat nerds. So Bip, 
Let's start with Offensive Player of the Year. Who do you have in the SEC? Well, I think if you have anyone other than Tua Tagovailoa, you need your head checked going into the season anyways. Um, right. Fifth in the country in completion percentage with 69%. Fifth in the country with just under 4,000 yards passing. Second in the country in yards per attempt with a staggering 11.2 yards per attempt. Second in the country with 43 touchdowns and only had six interceptions. And two of those were in the regular season. So he, we know that he kind of struggled uh, in the playoffs a little bit, but he plays the most important position for the best team in the conference and has the best group of receivers in the country to throw to. I think he puts up those kind of numbers again and helps Bama run the table and makes them uh, the uh, uh, makes the playoffs once again. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it. I, I mean, it's just two in a nutshell. Right. And, and, you know, his struggles came when he had that knee injury. Mm-hmm. So if he can stay healthy, uh, this is just, in my opinion, Aside from Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback that you can have outside of uh, Clemson, South Carolina. So, um, yeah, he's my offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year, I'm going to go with Grant Delpit, free safety from LSU. I mean, the guy is a tackling machine. In addition to that, you know, 74 tackles a year ago, and that was even with play, or with teams running away from him as a sophomore last year. He broke up nine passes, had five interceptions. Uh, hurried the quarterback four times, had four tackles for loss, and five sacks. So, I mean, you're looking at a guy who plays at free safety, which is not always somebody who plays near the line. He's at minimum about eight yards behind the line of scrimmage and sometimes will creep up. But he's putting up numbers that are better than some linebackers in the SEC, uh, picking off passes better than some corners in the SEC. So just a a clear-cut favorite. Not only SEC Defensive Player of the Year, in my opinion, but an All-American, maybe National Defensive Player of the Year a bit. Yep, I like that one. I'm going to go a little different, go Anthony Jennings from uh, Alabama. Uh, 50 okay. tackles, 13 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks last year. But was what was equally impressive was how many times he affected plays without even making a tackle as he had 11 passes defended from that rush end spot, which is really impressive. Also had a pick, two fumbles uh, recovered, and a touchdown. I think he builds upon his great campaign from 2018, increases his sack total in 2019, and continues to be that great game changer for that tight defense. Yeah, I, I think that's a good pick, you know, especially, you know, from that outside linebacker spot. So he's a tackler, but he also can put heat on the on the opposing backfield. So that's a good one. Not better than Delpit, but it's good. <laughs> um, Coach of the year, who do you have uh, winning the honors this year for the SEC? I'm going to go Dan Mullen for the Florida Gators. Now, Florida won 10 games last year, so this won't be a major turnaround story. But the Gators scored almost 13 more points per game last year than 2017 and allowed over seven points per game fewer defensively. I think the Gators continue to improve, especially on offense. I have them winning 11 games in the regular season with their lone loss being to Georgia and having impressive wins against Miami, Auburn, at LSU, at Missouri, and against a Florida State team that we're both expecting to be much improved this year. So I think that Dan Mullen is going to have his Gators uh, chomping at the bit, so to speak, and right up there in the thick of things with Georgia in that SEC East. And if a couple things bounce their way, who knows, maybe they could be playing in that SEC championship game by the end of the season. I like that pick, and I would go with that if they were going to win the East. But I'm going to go with Jeremy Pruitt from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Because I have the Volunteers winning 10 games this year, their only loss is coming at Florida, and I think that'll be a closer one. And at Alabama, I think that'll be a closer one as well. The fact that they were, you know, are going to win 10 games after only winning five last year, and it's year two in the Jeremy Pruitt regime, uh, 
doubling your win total and getting to double digits in year two at a program, you know, in, in, in such high profile like Knoxville, Tennessee, I think that that's going to get him those coaching honors. And, and, and I like him taking that this year. Yep. And especially if they make it to 10 wins, he's going to be a lock for that, uh, for that award coming from you would think. what an impressive, uh, or what an impressive turnaround from last year for sure. Yeah. Well, Chappie, how about your coordinator of the year? Uh, I like Dave Aranda from LSU, and it was close. I almost went with uh, another guy, and I'm not going to steal your thunder because I think that's <laughs> who you're going to talk about. But I like, I, I, I think LSU is going to have the best defense in the SEC mm-hmm. this year. Yes, better than Alabama's. And it's going to be not only because they have the talent, but Dave Aranda is just a guy that knows how to get things done on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, he's the, the South's version of. Uh, Don Brown at Michigan. I mm-hmm. mean, the guy just, he can take whatever you give him and is going to make a uh, a nightmarish type defense. And I know that Alabama fans and SEC fans are going to say, well, they don't show up against Alabama or they don't show up against, you know, some of the other teams. But I mean, you look at the numbers, you, if you watch LSU play, like case in point was the Miami game last year, they were just a friggin' nasty group oh, of yeah. defenders. And I would, I would take those 11, on my defense over any other team in the country going into 2019. So I think it's Dave Aranda for me, Bip. How about you? Well, like you mentioned, I'm going with your number two choice, uh, Jim Chaney from uh, Tennessee. So outside of the offensive line, the Vols have lots returning on offense this year. Their group of receivers will be just a notch below Florida and Alabama, in my opinion, for the best in the conference. So keep an eye on Josh Palmer, as I mentioned before, as he averaged 21 yards per catch last year. They also return Ty Chandler, Jarrett Guarantano, uh, and and give Cheney a lot to work with in his return to Tennessee. The Vols ranked 90th in yards per play and 106th in offensive efficiency last year. I think we see both increase drastically for the Vols, resulting in a much more efficient and effective offense uh, and Cheney being a big reason for that. So in conjunction with what I think is going to be also a nice turnaround for the Vols, I think Cheney's a big reason for that, and I think he takes the honors. Yeah, it's a good pick. And, and like I said, I was I was really torn between those two, but I just think that Aranda's numbers uh, on his defense yep. side might be just a tad better than Cheney's, although I think Cheney does great things with that Vol offense. Sure. Um, most outstanding freshmen. I'm going to kind of cheat a little bit here and go co-winners, but they're from the same team. So I'm going to go with cornerback slash punt returner Derek Stingley for LSU. When Coach Ed Orgeron, who already has a good defense, says that in the bowl practices – um, last year against UCF that Derek Stingley would have started in the bowl game uh, against UCF, that says something. And, you know, we know that yeah. he was one of the top recruits coming into the country, the number one cornerback, maybe the number one defensive prospect in the country. I, I, I think, you know, playing in that secondary with Delpit and Christian Fulton on the other side and Jacoby Stevens at free safety, he's going to be afforded opportunities to make some plays and to put up some pretty impressive stats. But also, nose tackle... Uh, Apu Aika from LSU. Now, get this. He's 6'4", 347 pounds, and is slated to start at nose tackle for one of the best defenses in the country. And that's saying something. And I think that, you know, playing between Richard Lawrence and Glenn Logan and playing in front of guys like Jacob Phillips and Michael Divinity, and then, of course, that secondary that we just talked about, I think that Apu Aika is maybe not going to put up you know, mind-blowing stats, but he's going to be dominating against opposing centers and and making it very difficult and causing double teams, which is going to make that LSU defense even better. So I think that's going to turn some heads. So I'm going to go Stingley at corner and Apu Aika at nose tackle, both from the same team. 
I'm going to go with my top freshman being uh, George Pickens from Georgia. Now, yeah, uh, Pickens is a, is a big 6'3", 190 pounds, great athleticism. He snubbed home state powers, Alabama and Auburn, and he was committed to Auburn for the longest time, uh, turned around and picked Georgia at the very end. Uh, and I think quite possibly for the reason that I think he might win SEC freshman of the year playing time, the dogs lost a lot of skill position players. Yeah. And uh, with that size and athleticism, he could make quite an impact if he can develop a quick connection with Fromm and pick up that offense. Um, uh, and uh, I think we could see his name uh, early and often in uh, that Bulldog uniform. Yeah. And, and I really, I, I like your point about, you know, opportunity because, it's it's going to be pretty much I don't want to say open audition, but, you know, if you've got talent, you're going to get right to the front of that line because of the loss of those top five from a year ago. So, yeah, Pickens is a good a good choice. And if you've got Jake Fromm throwing to you, you're going to be made to look good no matter what. So, yep. Uh, real quick, Bip, one thing that we're going to do with all of our conference previews is give our listeners the over under according to Vegas and what we think will happen. So any of you who are gamblers or like to to put money on the line uh, we don't necessarily condone it but if that's your lifestyle then that's cool we want bip and i want to help you make the right choice so quickly going through the the west bip uh, i'm going to name off the teams and you tell me over or under so Ole miss four and a half over or under over barely yep i i, I would take that as well i think that they're good for five wins um so i think that's a safe one i'm taking the over as well arkansas five and a half over or under this is one that I'd bet as little money as possible. I'm going to go under on this one. Yeah, I think it, I, I would stay away from it as well, but I'm going to go over, actually. I have him winning seven games, so you know that's one and a half more than Vegas is saying, but again, I, I wouldn't touch that one either. Mississippi State, seven and a half, over or under? This is one I'm betting the house on. Chappie, I'm going under. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I have them winning seven games, so I'm going to go under as well, and you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they... Uh, if they went well under that, but not well under that, but if they, uh, you know, went down as low as you say. So Texas A&M, seven and a half, over or under? I go over. I pick them to go seven and five, but I feel like they could pull at least one upset this year against Auburn, Georgia, or LSU. Yeah, and that's one I, I would... I would probably stay away from this one more than any other SEC West uh, mm-hmm. total, but uh, I, I have them winning seven games just because that schedule is so tough. But yeah, they they steal one win and they get the over. So I'm I'm keeping my money out of Vegas's hands on A and M, but I'm going to go under on that one. Um, Auburn eight. Uh, this one's a push for me as had them going eight and four, but if I had to choose under over, I'm definitely going under as I could see them losing against A&M Georgia, or even at Arkansas, which is the week that before they play LSU, all three games in which I had them, uh, winning in my picks. Yep. And, uh, I think push would be, would be a safe bet, but you know, if we're going to choose 50, 50, I'm going to take them on the over. And I honestly would not be surprised to see Auburn win 10 games this year. I have them winning nine, hmm. but they, they have enough talent to where they could steal one of those games that maybe they're not supposed to and, and get to that 10 win mark. So I'm, I'm definitely taking Auburn on the over here and I would put, uh, I would almost put, uh, all my chips on the table on that one. Right. LS, LSU at nine over or under this one's over and it's kind of head scratching as to how they're only at nine. For yeah. Me. Yeah. I mean, maybe nine and a half would, right. would make it a little yes. bit more, but yeah. yeah Cause nine, of that Texas game, but at least nine and a half. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going over on that one. And again, they could steal something and maybe get to, uh, 11 wins. If something happens to where, uh, 
you know, they they lose the one game, whether it's to Bama or whatnot, but they run the table everywhere else. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I have them winning 10 games, but I'm definitely taking the over on that one. And then yep. Alabama, 11 and a half, over or under? Over. Yep, I take the over as well. Um, I've got them winning 12, so uh, give me the over on that one. And to be honest, I don't know if this is just regular season or if this includes SEC championship. I want to say it's regular season. So if it's just regular season and I took the over, my prediction would be wrong if if my uh, outlook uh, is correct. But uh, you really can't go wrong with taking Alabama on over on anything. So, um, Right, exactly. So going to the East, Vanderbilt, five, over or under? Uh, we know I got the over on this one as I, I have them winning eight games. <laughs> I know you do. I would take the under and, and I would do that uh, only or because I could see them winning five and I, um, you know, that would still be a push. So I not too much on my on my gambling, but uh, I think I would still technically win on that. Maybe not. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've got him going under South Carolina, five and a half over or under. I got to go under on this one just yep. because of their schedule. Home yeah. games against Bama, Florida, Vandy, and Clemson. Road games against Missouri, Georgia, Tennessee, and A&M. Hard for me to see them getting to six or more. Yeah, and honestly, I'm surprised that one's not at a straight five because five and a half makes it right. a lot easier for me to take the under. But if I'm sure. Vegas, I would put it at five and really force my hand. But no, I'm taking yep. under on that one. Uh, Kentucky, six and a half. I'm going under on this one. Yep. I'm going to go under as well. I just don't see them getting more than five. And if they get six, again, six and a half is still safe for me. So I'm taking the under definitely. Um, and by the way, on our website, we, Bip and I, or even on Twitter, we will put out our locks. So we won't necessarily uh, put all our money on on every one of these. But, you know, ones like Kentucky, ones like South Carolina, where I feel damn confident that I'm going to take the under and win it, um, we'll, we'll make sure to post that. Uh, Bip, Tennessee, six and a half, over or under? Uh, I'm going over on this one for sure, but I feel like this one's going to jump as we get closer and closer to the season as Tennessee looks like one of those darling teams in the media. Yeah. And, and I'm certainly taking the over on this one and I'm, I'm kind of, you know, going all in and, and putting my, my chips in and maybe I stay at the table or maybe I take an early exit home, but I definitely like Tennessee over six and a half. Um, yeah, you and Colin Coward could be very rich or very poor by the end of the season, my friend. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going as, <laughs> as deep as Coward does, but uh, I definitely like Tennessee to win 10 games, but not winning the SEC and certainly not beating Bama on the road. Uh, Missouri right. at eight. I'm going under uh, relatively easy first half of the schedule, but we talked about how if things fall apart, uh, they have a, a murderous second half of the schedule. And do they do they lose interest at some point in the season? So I'm going under in this one. Yeah, I this one is tough for me. I I'm going to go under cuz I have them going 7 and 5, but I could I could see them I don't see them going over 8, so really it's a push for me, but I feel safe yeah. taking the under just because again, once they get into the back half of that SEC schedule, if they drop one of those first 7 games, um then that's going to be really tough for them to get to 8. So I'm going to take the under here. Right. Uh, um Florida 9. I'm going over and similar to LSU. I'm surprised this one's not nine and a half. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm surprised at that as well. It's easy pick for me to take Florida over the nine. Yeah. If it was, um, well, even if it was nine and a half, I would, I would still probably take that, but, uh, it would be a little bit tougher for me, but yeah, the nine I'm, I'm, I'm certainly going to go at that point. So, um, yep. Give me the over on Florida's nine, Georgia, 11. 
I'm going under on this yep. one. I, I had them going 11 and one, but starting at Vandy is a potential uh, potential upset in my book. And then they have home games against Notre Dame, Missouri, and Texas A&M, as well as road games at Auburn, Tennessee, and then the world's largest outdoor cocktail party against the Gators. I'd feel much better betting 10 than I would 12. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I just don't see I don't see Georgia being that dominant enough. I mean, every year it seems like they have a slip up or two. Still good enough to win the East, but um, yeah. Going at 11, I, I just can't take that one. Um, I'd feel safer even if it was 11 and a half. But, uh, yeah, I certainly mm-hmm. don't see right. them running the table and, uh, and, and, and going, you know, perfect 12. So, sure. Well, uh, damn, Bip, that was fun. Uh, we, we, yeah, we sure got was. through the, the SEC. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully people are, are more the wiser. And, and I'm really curious to see how well we, we fare. But, you know, of course, that means we got to go through the whole college football season and, Oh, darn. Uh, you know, we're going to have to suffer through four months of that. <laughs> so um, like the broadcast team of last year's LSU, Texas A&M Thanksgiving weekend, seven overtime marathon. Whew, we're spent. We spent the last hour and a half or so filling your ear and your minds with all this good stuff. So hopefully you use it for, for good. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do give us three seconds of your time and hit that subscribe button. It makes things so much easier for you to get the content you need in the future. Consider it college football uh, services that you don't have to pay for. Please also share the good word with friends and family that eat, sleep, breathe, and bleed college football just like you do. Remind remind them about a bowl full of chips, the best growing college football podcast out there. Stay tuned for our next podcast in a couple of days when Bip and I team up, hopefully, with the guys from the Eyes on Big podcast. Yep, that's Big Kurt and Jeffrey the Greek you might be familiar with on Twitter. We're going to talk and give a sneak peek at teams from the Big Ten. Uh, talking about who might be rising, who might be falling, all in preparation for Bip and I's Big Ten Preview Podcast next week. So till next time, I am Chappie. And I am Bip. And this is a bowl full of chips where we put what's right over the rest. S-E-C-S!